What's up and welcome back to another episode of Ship Life TV, the show that is dedicated to raising awareness of the opportunity of working on cruise ships and helping new and existing crew have an enjoyable experience. And on today's episode, we've got Sean from Coffee with Sean. Hey, Jordan. How you doing? Um, yeah, dude, I'm so excited to have you on. Absolutely. Um, I'm doing well, by the way. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked um, on a on a professional level and on a personal level. I'm excited to catch up with you. Me too. I know that you were on uh, on the ships as a videographer, correct? Yes, sir. Cool. It, it, was that your official title or like... Uh, no, so with Norwegian Cruise Line, my official title was broadcast technician. Um, but the way that company kind of makes that position is they combine a videographer and the broadcast tech position into one one role. Um, I believe there are some other cruise lines that have two separate jobs where like you'll have a broadcast tech role who's in charge of all the, the television and that kind of stuff. And then, and maybe some other communication stuff. And then you might have a videographer who's actually a part of the photography department. And so, and then that department will have the still photos and they'll sell videos, right? But with Norwegian, it was one position uh, and like we didn't sell our, our footage or our videos. We kind of, we would- Yeah, you mainly did it for, for, the, for, for broadcasting. Yeah, so yeah, we would, we would shoot parties or, or whatever and then we would edit it together and then we put it on, on the, the closed circuit TVs on the ship because passengers, they like to watch each other or watch themselves on TV, <laughs> you know? And then, I mean, yeah. there was occasional things that we would sell, like with the Panama Canal cruises, uh, we would actually get off the ship in Panama and film the ship going through the locks and we'd film from off the ship, people waving and people on their balconies and stuff. And then- the, sure the photography team would sell those as DVDs and then we would get mm. um, some of the money for that. Um, some of the, yeah, some of the commission on it. Yeah, and then the other videos we would shoot, we would work with like the different sales departments or or uh, the, what do you, how do you call them? The vendors or the concessionaires. So we would, we would film like the port shopping consultant. Um, so they had content on their channel to help uh, promote like selling stuff, whether it's in ports or we would do like a, sh a, a gift shop walkthrough where where we would film that and it would kind of entice some of the passengers watching to go there. We would shoot Shorex stuff for the Shorex team to try to, it was just like, it was, you know, part of our footage was to get the the passengers like having a good time, but the other part was to, to help sell, you know, we're helping make money at the same time. Now, one thing that I do know since my wife was a photographer um, on Celebrity and Norwegian, is that uh, my I would describe the photographer position as a salesperson who happens to be a photographer. Would is that similar to to the videographer on the ships as well? Uh, for me, no. It was very not front facing. I mean, like I had I could go in front of people, and there were times where. Um, I would go out of my way to like, uh, speak with guests, you know, if, if we're at a party, you know, and I'm filming something and I, I might talk to people and ask them if they want to be in it or whatever, but I, I wasn't selling anything. Um, and a lot of times, so like, so my, I was like a tech, I was a tech position, right? I was dressed all in black, 
you know, kind of like behind the scenes kind of, kind of, at least the position was, but like, you know, I, as a more of a, an extroverted person, you know, I, I liked to be out in front of people. So we would have the occasional like uh, fancy night where the photographers would set up like backdrops and stuff, um, leading into like the big party, uh, club or whatever for like the late night party and they would they would shoot people like red carpet stuff and i would stand there with them so i could talk to the photographers because we were friends but also um to get the video footage of the people as well you know but we definitely weren't required at least for for norwegian to to try to sell or go up to people at dinner you know and like Mm -hmm. and kind of the stuff (laughs) that the photographers have to do no I, I, i didn't have to do that kind of stuff that's great. Um, what? How, how creative did you get to be as a videographer on the ship? You know, it was one of these roles where you could kind of do what you wanted. Um, we obviously had set things to do. Um, and uh, depending on the cruise director, they might want specific things or not want specific things. But when it came to kind of how good we wanted to do it it was kind of up to us and I tried to do as best as I could one thing that I struggled with in the very beginning um a I wasn't that great at an editor so I was kind of learning on the fly but a lot of the broadcast texts before me would like they would bring their own cameras they would bring like their Canon Mark 5Ds you know like these really nice DSLRs and and like the first week I was there, the the broadcast tech I was taking over for, he was there for like three days before he had to get off the ship. So he's like it, briefly explaining everything to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, one of the things you have to do is make this video every month that it's they call it a vacation hero. And he said, you have to make this video every month and it has to be funny and good and like 10 other adjectives that meant it has to be great. And I and he's like, here's here's a list, here's here's some in a folder from previous broadcast texts. And these were like, in my opinion at the time, they were like feature film quality looking movie. <laughs> like it was, I was like, how did they do this? Like this is insane. And I and I had like a, a panic attack. I was like, I can't do this, you know. And and that's when I learned. I was like, oh, because these these other broadcast texts would bring their own cameras. They bring, they, they would bring stabilizers and all this stuff. And I didn't even own that stuff. I'm like, there's cameras here in the broadcast center. Why would I use my own equipment? Um, and What were you using at the broadcast center? So they had a Canon 5D Mark III, I believe. Okay. Um, but, and then, and then we had like two or three like Sony, I forget what they were, but they were basically like, uh, ENG broadcast cameras. Um, they were really good cameras, but they weren't that like shallow depth of field kind of music video that everybody right, wants right. to see in their in their projects. And 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 so like all the all the previous techs who were doing these really awesome videos were using really good lenses on these really specific cameras that they brought themselves. And I'm like, how am I supposed to make a video with this news camera? And, and that's what people are expecting to watch. So that, that was something that, that was difficult for me to kind of 
in the beginning kind of it, that was a challenge but th- that hurdle was kind of more on myself because sure no one actually cares i care right because i'm a videographer and <laughs> right. i appreciate that stylized kind of look with color grading and that kind of stuff no one else cares so once i kind of realized that nobody cares except me then i was like well i'm gonna do what i want but um with those videos those vacationer videos those were fully on us to produce and write and come up with a concept and and stylize and and be and the goal of that was to be creative i guess um but everything else was kind of kind of like we're just filming particular parties putting together montages of people having fun and um at first i was trying to like edit every little thing you know i would film like an hour-long game show and i would like go through and like make sure all the audio was good and then eventually i was like it's for closed circuit tv no one's watching it like (laughs) like and so by the end of my like third contract i had i had done so many of these party montages i basically had a template and i would go up to the party i would film Drummer, bass player, singer, guitar player. I turn around, dancer, dancer, dancer. Wide shot, left shot, right shot. Go downstairs, edit it for five minutes, and I was done. And then I'd go downstairs and, and you know, go get a beer. Like, so, I wasn't lazy. Um, I guess I kind of was, but I kind of I had lost the desire to, to go above and beyond the expectation of those videos. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, simultaneously. How long was it taking you in the beginning to 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 edit one of those things and put it all together dude, from like start to finish? That, that's a tough one because in the beginning, you don't – for me, I didn't really know how to edit that well. I kind of – you know, I was kind of figuring it out. I, I didn't know what people were expecting me to do. That was part of it, right? I didn't know – not only did I, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what they wanted me to do anyway. So I was like going blind. And then um, I was trying to, I think I was also trying to prove that like I deserve the job. So I would like stay longer and edit more. And you know, like I said, I would go through and like edit the audio little bits and stuff. So in the beginning it was, it took, a while to to do these videos but you know eventually like i said eventually because every cruise is kind of the same right so every first night i was going to record the sail away and then i was going to record the 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 uh first night uh theater show and like and it was kind of like it became like a routine and once i knew the routine after several cruises and i knew how to do it then i could start I could start not cutting corners, but I could start like um, thinking of ways to better to be more productive with it. Right. Well, I, I like that you brought up how um, you feel like it, it, it stemmed from laziness because that's exactly how I feel um, when when I do editing, whether it's photos or videos. I just feel like you know once you do it enough, it, you don't want to go through the. I guess the best example I can give is in math class when they want you to write down all the steps, but I don't want to write down all the steps. I know how to get from A to B without writing down five steps. In right. Between. You know, and so yeah, I, but I like that. No, you're right. That, 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 that's school though, right? Like they want you to show the work. And, and that's what I was saying. Right. Like, 
like I was focusing on like with those those crazy feature film looking videos, I was like, I need that camera, I need this software, I need this, I need a lighting kit, all these things. And actually what I, at least in, in those videos, what I actually realized is most people don't care about how it looks. They, they just wanna be entertained by it, right? And so then I was like, well, okay, how can I use what I have at my disposal, which are these, these other cameras, and, and, uh, and make something just as good or better. And then I started thinking, like you were talking about creativity, I was like, well, that's about the video concept, you know? So I started thinking, you know, what's something funny that can be on, on camera that it doesn't matter the depth of field of what they're seeing kind of thing, you know? Um, and that was one of those things too. And, and, and I started to learn stuff like, um, making like using what you have and then making the best with it. Right. So I think people get kind of caught up. I mean, cameras is a good example, like technology, right? Like, like when it comes to making YouTube videos or whatever, people get hung up on, I need a better mic. I need a better boom stand. I need a better light. I need a better camera. I need a better lens. And I say, no, you need to make better videos. So, Stop worrying about all that stuff and worry about what you're recording because that ultimately is going to be. Now, I, I want to hear better audio than, than a bunch of wind hitting the, the camera on the mic, but you know what I'm saying. But like, you don't need a $500 microphone. You just need something that records, right? So I stopped worrying about uh, all those other things. But... A lot of that worry was self-inflicted, but it also came from I was brand new. So not only was I learning a new job, I was learning a new lifestyle. I was learning how to live on a shit. Like all these things were new. It wasn't just like I quit my job and now I'm starting a new one, but I'm going home to the same comfortable bed. It's every single thing in my life was brand new. It was kind of scary. It really was. Now, when you when you first um, applied, were there any requirements for the videography position um, on the ship? That what do you what do you need to to be one? Because I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah, you know, it's it's similar stuff. You know, they want someone with experience who like they want you to know the different kinds of editing platforms. You know, Adobe After Effects. They want you to know about Final Cut. They were using Final Cut 7 at that time. And it's cruise ships, so they probably still have Final Cut 7 even now. <laughs> um, yeah. But some of the newer ships had Final Cut Pro X. Um, I think some of them had uh, Adobe uh, Premiere. Um, so they wanted you... But a lot of it was... It wasn't like taking the LSATs, where they're like, how much do you know? It was like, do you know enough to figure it out kind of thing? Um and so I had gone to school for to learn broadcasting. So I figured having a bachelor's degree was like enough experience. Um, and I got hired, you know. But like that's what I said. When I got on the ship, my partner had been working in television back in Brazil for like 10 years. So he knew like so much stuff. And I was like, 
this guy's gonna hate me because I don't know any <laughs> any of this stuff, you know. Uh-huh. So a lot of that first contract was in my free time. Like when I was in ports, I was watching like YouTube videos on how to edit yeah. better, and I was trying to get better at the job. Um, but before, so like when I finally got someone to reply to my applications, um, I had to do like a uh, like a test kind of or no. no, no no, so like, so yeah, I had to do a test um, that was asking me like certain particular questions. Um, I actually, before I got hired on Norwegian, I had, uh, I didn't get an offer, but I got a response from a Carnival um, application that I sent out and for the same position. And they sent me this like 35 video response record it yourself in under one minute to answer thing and it was like it was like explain using the specific terminology how to connect this thing to this thing and i was like i don't know but if you (laughs) but if you gave me the cables and showed me the ports i could probably make it work but i can't tell you the names of everything right now Um, and actually, and it was, it did this thing where like you would click, you know, next question and it would go, it would go to the next page and it would count down from like five, four, three, two, one. And then it would start recording you. And these questions were like these long paragraphs. I didn't have, I didn't even have time to read the question before it started recording. So I was just for carnival. This is for carnival. So I started just, I just sat there until it started recording. And then I would read the question out loud while it recorded me do it it was it was the most com- it was so difficult and i absolutely did not get the job offer so so i was like that's what they want they want people who know that stuff this is some serious stuff right here and then norwegian it was basically like a couple questions that i kind of flubbed and then and then i had like a, a an interview and the interview was kind of funny because I'm pretty sure the person interviewing me, like over Skype, didn't know anything about broadcasting. They're just asking like these specific these these questions on the paper. And one of the questions, they were like, um, "Let's say you're making a video and you wanted to take a uh, like a um a like a, a a life a life ring, what do they call that? A lifesaver, life preserver." And then you wanted to put someone, you wanted to put the video inside of it, you know? How would you do that? And I was like, how would you do that? And I was like, oh, I would just edit it. That's, I just said, I would edit it. And they said, uh-huh. okay. You know, I don't know if they wanted me to be like, well, I have to go into this default setting and do this and then crop it. Uh-huh. I just said, oh, I would just uh-huh. edit it in. And they were like, okay. So the interesting answer, I like. Yeah, that. it's like, oh, it's, 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 uh, very productive. No, so so the the Norwegian um, process after my application made it through was a lot less uh, crazy specific than the Carnival one was, um, and then I got hired. But I had that Carnival thing in my head, and I was like, I don't know any of that stuff so now i have this job that i'm about to go on a cruise ship and they're going to be like hey go connect all these things with these things good luck <laughs> and i'm like okay um 
it was scary, but it really wasn't that bad once I got got into the groove, you know. And and you know how it is, like it's cruise after cruise, and it's kind of the same. So once once you get it down, then it becomes how can I do this fast enough to where I'm working ten minutes a day? And eventually, it got to that point where I was I was not working very much. But basically, was, how can I do as little as possible but still appease the guests? That's exactly the, how it was. <laughs> and then, and because I was kind of I was a tech position, so I was I wasn't out in front of the guests all the time. A lot of times, I was like, as long as the cruise director doesn't see me, they just assume I'm working. I was not working. I was down drinking coffee and crew bar all day, you know. But um, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. As that that position in particular was great because. Um, like crew staff, they have to do all these events. They have to do this. They have to record all these things. They always ha- they're always out in front of guests, and the cruise director and the assistant cruise director is always watching them, always looking for things for them to do. They always got to find something to do because they're always out there. Um, and and my I kind of I kind of uh, created my own schedule. It was like as long as these things got done, and they were good enough, nobody said anything to me. So it was it was up to me. Um, Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so I I had a lot of freedom in that role. Um, more so after I figured out what I was doing in that role. Sure. Now, what? Um, I don't need to know exactly what you were making, but I'm curious to know what the ballpark pay for someone in your position would be. It was it was about the same as the crew staff and the youth staff. Okay. I think a lot of it, um, a lot of it was more or less the same. I can tell you what I was making. Okay. I, I tell people all the time. I made yeah, sure. I made two thousand dollars a month, uh, and then I complained about it for some reason, <laughs> like my second contract to my uh-huh. shoreside manager. So then I got two thousand sixty dollars a month uh, after that. You know, so just never cover taxes or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just to like, okay, that's fine. You're right. Yeah. So, um, and that was fine. Fine then. Um, but I think a lot of people, not the performers were making that, but a lot of the, a lot of the staff were making that kind of, you know, you staff and it's more or less the same. But the thing too is like, like crew staff might be making around 2000 a month or maybe even a little less, maybe like 18 or 1700, but they were making like bingo commissions and selling raffle tickets. And so like they, they had these other opportunities to make more money. I had yeah I, I yeah I find that generally common if you're making anywhere in the ballpark of like thirteen to eighteen hundred a month like there are opportunities to make more absolutely absolutely um, the and that's a lot of positions too you know like like there's a lot of positions not in the entertainment department that I know make a lot less and I don't know how much they make in tips but they have the opportunity to make tips I know they they. They pool gratuities in some capacity, but then people will give them cash. You know, bartenders might might only make like five hundred a month, but if they're making a gratuity on every drink they sell, I don't know how much they're making, but but they also work they also work a lot more hours too. And 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 like you were saying before, like how how can I do the most amount of work the least amount of effort and time? Because I was salaried, I started leaning in that direction. I'm like, why am I working ten hours? I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna work two hours, and I got everything done. And then if I'm working less hours per day, then I'm making more dollars per hour by the end of the month. So, you know, then I could justify. Well, yeah, that person's making three thousand, but they work eighty hours a week. 
So, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Tell me a little bit more about your um, living situation. Were you also in a double cabin? So my position was in a, uh, a two birth cabin. Yes. And so my, all my roommates were um, in the entertainment department. So I was with a bass player and, and the party band, uh, youth staff. Oh, you're with them. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the whole entertainment staff is all the same. So like, so I was a tech, but I was in the entertainment. You were still in the entertainment department. Yeah. So, so, um, I was rooming with you staff and crew staff and some of the band. I find that usually they try to stick the groups together, but generally what happens, what I found is that when it gets mixed up like that, like the bass player is with the, you know, the, the broadcast tech or, you know, somebody gets stuck with one of the AV techs. It's usually because, uh, there's a couple on board. And so they they stick that couple together. Yeah. I mean, I just figured we all were in the same department. You know, I think what they do is like, let's say like, like you probably were rooming with someone in your particular ensemble. Um, but see, that's the thing too, because I'm over here like, do I want to live with the guy I work with every day? I don't know. I might, I might have been down to have another person to room with because that's another friend I could make. And then I could, because I'm going to see my, I'm going to see my bandmate every day when I'm playing and in crew bar every night anyway. We don't, you know, but at the same time, it's like you're already tight. So like if you want to have a cabin party or something, you're already there. Um, and, and, with all that said, that that's in like a perfect scenario because like I had some roommates that I really was not, it was not, um, wasn't great. It was fine. How did you handle the, the roommate situation? Like, did you, did you have any, a, a tough time? No. So I didn't have any roommates that were like, they didn't bathe or anything like that. I had the situation where like, like one of my, like my first roommate snored like a freight train. And that was murder. Like, like, cause I can't sleep when somebody's snoring. And like my first couple of weeks, I didn't have earplugs when I was trying to sleep. And so I couldn't fall asleep. And like my first week on the cruise ship, my very first week. So like I told you, new job, new life, stressed out about the job, didn't know what I was doing. And I couldn't go to sleep because my roommate was snoring. I like, I was like the, the, the third night I was sitting in the bunk, the top bunk, of course. And, and I was, I had, I freaked out. Like I was like crying and I was like banging on the metal wall. I was so, I was freaking out. I was like, why, why did I take this job? Like I was freaking out. Um, and so eventually that cruise ended and I got off the ship and I went to target and I found earplugs and I put earplugs in and they, they like saved my life. <laughs> like it was, it was that bad. Like, uh, you can't do much when you're not sleeping. And I was, it was a, that was rough, but the, 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 the earplugs were, were crucial. So the snoring sucked. And then like, and then, and he, the guy who snored, he was, he was, uh, the bass player in, in like the party band. So he worked like three hours every other day or something stupid like that. But he was always in the room. That was the problem. Like, like not only do you not work as many hours, you're always in the room. So I never, on the few hours I have to not be at work, 
I can't go to the room just to find some alone time because you're there <laughs> all the time. And I feel I like you're talking to, to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, no, because that, that did, is me. <laughs> I, I did start to, to resent him kind of. Um, but what I did though, instead of like, instead of hate on him as much, I said, well, if he's in the room, I'm going to go find somewhere else to go. And ultimately I would go to like crew bar and like during the day, nobody's in crew bar. So like I would just kick it and I'd watch TV on the wall and drink a coffee from the mess. And, and it was fine, you know, and I had, you know, I was, I was alone there, you know what I mean? Um, but nothing beats your own privacy in your cabin, you know? And then, um, I really was hoping to like, I was envious of this one, um, I'm going to say the word couple, but they were just roommates, but like they, they didn't know each other before they got on the ship. One guy was a dancer and one guy was in the youth staff and they were just, they hit it off so well. And they both like, they like to go out. They like to drink. They like to party. They were both fun. They like, and I was like, I've been on ships for three contracts. Why can't I get a roommate like that? Uh You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I was really jealous of like their, like th- there was one guy that moved into my cabin, like uh, the last, like the very last cruise on one of my ships. And he was like the coolest guy. And I was like, oh, I got to know him for seven days. Um, you know, so, so a lot of the roommate stuff for me, oh, and then I had a roommate who, who his girlfriend like slept over all the damn time, oh. you know, so, so, so my, my issues with roommates were not like really crazy dramatic ones they were just like i feel like i felt that like i was trying like as even even now like i try to be empathetic to people i try to put myself in other people's shoes and be like hey what am i like am i doing something that can help them out or or whatever and i felt that a lot of people on ships but you know also in in the real world too they don't they don't they don't give as much empathy to you, you know? So a lot of them are like, it's my cabin. I'm just going to kick it here, which is totally, that's absolutely totally fine. But I mean, I was looking at that, that, uh, whenever I'd have a roommate who'd have a a girl sleep over all the time, I'm just like, that girl's roommate has a room to herself. God, wouldn't that be nice? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, (laughs) why don't you guys go over there? Shit. Like, give me the, let me stay here by myself, you know? Uh Uh, But then, you know, then, on the other side of that, like on my third ship, I was dating a girl who uh, she wasn't entitled to her own cabin, but she was tight with the entertainment administrator. So the entertainment administrator never gave her another roommate for like eight weeks. So I would just go crash with her in her room. So we had that privacy. So you know what I'm saying? It's it's it can suck. It can be great. Sometimes it's just it's it's hit or miss, you know. And and so. I try instead of like every time I'd walk into my cabin seeing seeing my roommate and being like ugh and then get up and get up in the bed and slam the curtain I would just be like all right I'm going to go to crew bar you know I'm going to go I'm going to go do something else and ultimately that like that contract I actually was like I was very active with other people I made a lot of friends that contract almost cuz I had to because I couldn't be alone in the room you know what I'm saying right right cuz your roommate was always there yeah yeah uh, well but, but so thing too well, sorry, because I just want to say, like, he yeah. and I weren't that tight. We were, not, not because he was a musician, but because he was, like, a lot older, right? Yeah. And yeah. he was the kind of person that didn't want to do anything except 
lay in bed or get up and go play his set. You know what I'm saying? So right. like we didn't get we weren't the same personality either. So like yeah, if I had a cool if I had a roommate that that we that we our personalities worked really well together, then I could go into my cabin and we could hang out together and it wouldn't feel uh it wouldn't feel like that. But because we weren't like tight or anything that then it, it felt like I like I kind of felt I was imposing on him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got you. You mentioned um, that you spent a lot of time in crew bar, and you know you had to socialize because you you couldn't really spend a lot of time uh, in in your room. Um, what was that like for you? You know, socializing, reaching out to other people. Did you find that difficult? You know, especially in your first contract. What was that like? Yeah, and actually, I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I I definitely want to want to get your your side of this as well. Yeah. When it comes to like meeting people and hanging out with people and um, and making friends and stuff like that, like for me, it was it was it was it was easy and it was also hard. Um, bec- so I was in the entertainment department, which was a big department, but I was a th- I was on the technical team. Um, and there were like 10 techs, but eight of those techs were theater techs and I didn't work in the theater. I was a broadcast tech. So me and my partner were just two people just over here and no one talked to us and no one knew our office. And we had a special lock to get into our office because we had navigational equipment in the broadcast center. You know what I'm saying? And so like, like, like even things would happen where it's like, um, So because I, I was I had a small department, I had like my my broadcast partner that I would hang out with and, and talk with. Um, but what I started to notice, man, was how clicky and like how little packs happen on the cruise ship. Oh yeah. And especially in crew bar, right? And and what it is, it's like it's usually people who work together. They they really they really join and, and kind of make a club together, right? And, and I didn't work with any of those people. So I felt like, uh, you know, that was already a hurdle, you know? So like, I'm like, I mean, I made plenty of friends, but I made them because I went up to them and I had to introduce myself and I had to put myself within that circle, you know? But like, 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 like there were literally times I'd walk into crew bar and, I like I'd walk in the door and there would be like like huddles of different groups and they're all in there literally in a circle with their backs to me. <laughs> and I'm like how, like how am I supposed to get into these things, you know? So I, you know, but it wasn't that bad, you know. Um but it was noticeable, you know. I oh, for sure. I noticed that stuff. Uh I don't know what it was like for you. Um, well, for me, it, it, I was in a different situation because when I came in, I came in with my band, right? And it, it wasn't a band that was formed randomly. I already knew everybody in the band for the most part, but uh, anybody I didn't know in the band was a, a friend of a friend. So just one removed. So, you know, um, my first contract, it was very much like, uh, it, is, it was very simple for me. I would pretty much only hang out 
when my bandmates were hanging out. If I tried to go into <clears throat> um, any of the crew bars or anything like that um, without them, it was very difficult until maybe like two months in after I had started making a couple friends with like, you know, bar staff or a random barista, somebody in the art gallery, you know, like every now and then in passing, hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on? And it's normally they start, they strike up a conversation like, oh yeah, you play an instrument, whatever. Um, and we find something in common. And then eventually I'll see them in crew bar and, and I'll say, what's up? Uh, I'll get them a drink, vice versa. Um, but it wasn't until like after the second month. So I don't even, quite honestly, I don't even know how I would have made it through. Um, well, actually I do, but it would have been very difficult for me to have, to have made it through uh, my first contract if I came on as, for example, a solo guitarist. Um, the, the only way I know I would have gotten through it is by drinking and being around other people who drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and I mean, that's the thing. Like, luckily, Crew Bar, there are plenty of people in Crew Bar all the time, and there are plenty of people who are absolutely open to letting you come in and, and hang out and talk to them. There's not as many people, though, who make the first move to come to you. That's right. the one thing I noticed. Um, and I think th I like the way you said to you because a lot of people, like, I felt that they, they didn't realize, like, just how lucky they were. I was like, you, you got on the cruise ship and there's 20 people in your department. You just, you made 20 friends because you happened to go to work. That's right. In that department the day you signed on the ship. That's right. And, you know, and... I don't want to sound bitter, you know, because I could just go up and make friends too. But like some, like people didn't realize it. Another thing, you know, and, and I like how you said that too. Like, cause, I mean, did, did you, did you feel like you were using your bandmates as a crutch? Yes, or absolutely. You, you were. That, I is, mean, that is, that is how, that is exactly how I felt because especially in the beginning, I would walk in and just as you said, I would see the huddles and the backs of people and uh, it felt like high school all over again. And I, I, in high school, I was not as well-spoken as I am today and as outgoing as I am today. And so I had like, I don't know, in the high school that I was going to, I had like five friends through all of high school because I kept all of my other friends from middle school and they all went to a different school because I already knew them. So I didn't feel like going out and making new friends. Anyway, going back to working on ships, it just... It, it just reminded me of why I hated going out of my comfort zone, making new friends, this, this, and mm -hmm. that. Obviously, it's important, but it just uh, brought me back to that uh, awkward Jordan stage. So, well, so, so, what what happened after two months that made it different? Just because you were familiar with people, I yeah, guess. At that just, point, it, it was just a lot of you know. Um, uh, making acquaintances and I just remember the two months the two month um, uh, mark because that's when I started dating my now wife but ah, you know, see that's part of it too right that, yeah absolutely yeah. you know you start dating and then you 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 get introduced to different circles of friends but um, what also helped is again being in the in the entertainment department as you mentioned mm -hmm. it is a it's a pretty large department you've got all of the venue musicians and you've got all the AV techs and you've got the youth staff and you know when when we when we have meetings and parties like they're they're decent sized parties so 
these are all familiar faces that I would end up seeing. And so sometimes I'd see uh, the duo and uh, passing by or something like that. I'd wave and they'd wave back. So um, because they were relatively um, familiar faces, it was easy for me to, to, to make that initial first move and say, Hey, what's going on? How are your sets today? Or, you know, how was, how was everything today? Whatever. Because again, I had, I would see them, I would see their face and they would see my face. So you, so your first contract you had, you were in like a four piece, right? Yep. So, so you had, you know, at least those three guys you could hang out with if you wanted to. And you said it was kind of tough that first two months to, to meet other people or whatever. Yeah. What about the first two months of your second contract in a duo? What was mm. that? Or, or do you think because you had already had that first contract, you had that confidence of, oh, it's not that bad. So you, you know. Yeah, it, well, that, I'm, that's, that's an interesting thing that you bring up. I never really thought about that because um, so my second contract, there were already familiar faces um, from previous from that previous contract. OK, uh, so it was it was very easy. Um, now, my third contract, no familiar faces except for um, my dual partner. But mm -hmm. because of my experience on the ships, I already know how this goes. Um, it's kind of yeah, like... Uh, go to uh, crew bar, people, talk to people. Exactly. You know, people you describe know, prisons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you go into prison, yeah. you, you got to make friends. You, just <laughs> yeah, to get right. by. <laughs> but that, that's pretty, pretty much it. You know, my first day on the, on the ship, it was a, a lot of crew bar. Um, you know, walking around, making friends with such and such you know trying to see who the highest ranking person i could be friends with at my disposal right now things like that you know just kind of just um getting an idea of how i can make the most of my time on the ship that that's what it was at that point you know and you say that too i did you know like let's say my first job on the cruise ship I would have like let's say I was entitled to my own cabin. I don't know. I don't know what I would have done. Like I don't know if I would have gone to crew bar that much. I don't like I I'm and it's like I'm not like a homebody. I'm not a an introverted person. I'm not afraid to talk to people. But it is kind of intimidating, especially cuz like when you go to crew bar that first time and you're you're it's your first cruise or whatever, everyone who's already in there they've already been cruising together for a while so like they've already made those relationships so like you're 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 going into like it's intense like you're like oh these people already know each other um and so i think it was a benefit that i didn't have my own cabin as well you know i think well everything is kind of a good and a bad like what i have like would i ever choose to not have my own cabin absolutely not i would have chosen my own cabin every time <laughs> always no question about it yes N not even having to think about it um you know but dude th there was even like toward the end i was like i wonder if i can like tell them okay you pay me 2060 dollars a month now pay me like 1500 a month but give me my own cabin mm -hmm. like like i started to care about privacy like yes you know just to like to to you know because one thing for me man a difficulty on in ship life is separating work and life yeah. you know it's easy on land because if you go to work at work you just leave work and go home and now you're separated right but on the ship it's it's 24 7 it's all the same it's and like it's, it's the same people crew bar the people you worked with it's it's every day 
And so I was like, man, if I could just have my own little corner that had a door that I could just be alone, that no one could see me. Yeah. And, and, and nobody would open the door because they have a key also. Like, I might have lasted a longer, um, you know, but, but, that, but then with that said, like, they started talking to me about potentially going to the bigger cruise ships. And on the bigger, the big cruise ships, they do that thing where they have like two solo cabins sharing a bathroom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I started thinking about it because I, I do. I think I am kind of lazy. So I was like, well, you know, they are, they do, the broadcast techs on those big ships do a lot more than I do. Uh, I knew that because I knew people who worked on the big ships and they told me. So I was like, do I want to go to the big ship to get my own cabin? But I'm, I'm literally working 70 hours a week instead of the 15 that I had funneled my work down into, you know? And then, and I was like, I think I'd rather, it also was the same pay. And I was like, yeah, I'll just kick it on the, you know, but I mean, at that point, like I had decided I wasn't going to make a career out of it. So I wasn't like, you know what I'm saying? I wasn't like trying to continue, uh, to find the path. I was like, I'm probably going to quit after a couple more contracts anyway. So, yeah, well, I feel like that's, you know, that's why it's so important to, you know, again, socialize and get out of your comfort zone. Cause as you mentioned, um, it's, it's so hard to disconnect, you know, because even though you are clocked out, you still see all the same people. So it's still, you know, like it still kind of does still feel like work, you know, and, and being that I was a musician only working about three to four hours a day on average, you know, I, I still look at some of the other people uh, from like food and beverage or something like that, thinking like they're always working, you know, and even when they're not, they're still talking about work, hanging out with the same people. So how do you dissociate? Like that was, that was something that, that happened to me. One thing that I try to do, especially on land, um, but on the cruise ships, it was, it was very prevalent. All people do is talk about work. That's all they did. They only talked about the passengers that they dealt with, they, you know, and, and I was over here like the stubborn, stubborn guy. Like, I don't care about what you did today. Yeah. I'm trying to get to know you. So like, so like, no, I, I, I literally, there were like a group of four guests, women who worked in the guest services in crew bar. And this, this, like the, the leader of the pack was like complaining, like venting, you know, the, the venter and the other three were just listening. And I sit down to to talk to them and I start being like, so, you know, like, do any of you guys uh, ski or snowboard? You know, what kind of music do you guys listen to? Like, when's the last concert? You know, literally anything that's not ship related. And they they looked at me like I was a crazy person. (laughs) Like, 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 who is this guy? What yeah. are you talking about? Like you're you're interrupting my rant. I'm trying to talk to you. Yeah, about- <laughs> and I don't know. I just like I I thought it would be endearing to have somebody try to change the the subject matter to something right. a little more get to know you better. Uh huh. Um, but some people don't at all. Instead, you care. end up looking like that guy who's like, uh, "Excuse me, can you get off your phone?" I mean, like we're trying to have a conversation here. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm man. Over here so <laughs> so so do did you? Like when, when you started to, to develop your, your main circles of, of friends, 
did they tend to all be musicians or did they tend to be in the entertainment department? The, so um, the majority of them, A, were musicians, and yes, B, a lot of them were in the entertainment department. But again, once I got my my sea legs, if you will, you know, I, my, I, I was experienced working on cruise ships. Um, uh, a, I started to make a lot more friends in different departments. And I also realized when you start making more friends in different departments, well, they could hook you up with different things. And so that led to, all right, let me really make friends in different departments. And that's when I started making friends with uh, baristas who also had access to alcohol. So I would get special coffees during sets. Um, On my last contract, they got, it was so awesome because we had this one set. It was um, right next to the bar that served coffee and drinks. And so I knew one of the chicks who worked at the bar. And every time I set, I was, I started setting up. She she looked at me. She goes, "Special coffee?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes, absolutely." And yeah, she would just casually come by and have you know. And then I would know some of the other bartenders, either in crew bar or, well, you know, they, they kind of switch around. Sometimes they're working in crew bar, and sometimes they're working in you know the guest bar or whatever. And uh, they'd hook it up every now and then. I get a free drink or a free shot stuff like Mm -hmm. that and not to say that that's specifically why i started making friends like i didn't have any friends on the ship that i was just like i hate you but i just want to use you but (laughs) you know it was it was always like uh, a give and take and every you know every once in a while like as musicians we try to do what we can to make their jobs more fun and whatever so you know we we I remember being like in a bar or something like that and calling out one of the baristas in the back or saying like, Hey, make sure you tip this person extra. Cause they're freaking awesome. Whatever, you know, just yeah. making it an enjoyable environment for everybody. Yeah. I've se- I've, I've seen those kind of the relationships between entertainer in a venue and then the, 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 uh, the bar and wait staff in that venue. Like it's like, you're all there to help each other, you know, because you know, we're all there trying to create a good experience for the guests, Absolutely. too. Absolutely. So now, when, when you this. all start meshing, it's great. Let me ask you this. Who did you get off the ship in port with the most? Ooh, uh, that was always, well, I would say about 75% of the time it was, well, uh, most of the time it was with my own bandmates, Right. Um, if it wasn't with my own bandmates, then it was definitely with an entertainment department. And very rarely was it with somebody else who wasn't in the entertainment department because I just wasn't that close with them. It did happen a couple times, um, but it really just depends on how mu- how well I meshed with the other person. Um, and I don't know. Like I, it, it's it, I've seen it happen. It didn't really happen with me that often because I usually just stuck to what I know, but. I never really thought about that. So yeah, it, it, a lot of the time it, it, it was very clicky in terms of who you get off the ship with. Yeah, that's something that, and and maybe I'm I'm one in a billion that is not necessarily seeing it the way everybody saw it. But like coming from the smaller department, I started to like, I felt like an outsider looking in a lot. And so I was trying to figure stuff out. And I would see like most people hung out with the people they worked with. And then I started to see that most of the planning to spend time together off the ship happened during work. So, (laughs) 
So the youth staff, while they're working in the youth center, are talking about all of them who were off that night, what or the next day, what they're going to do, and the plans already made. And then I was I was in broadcast center by myself. Yeah, you know, and so like there were these, I don't know, like like I started to toward the end, I, I really started to to get into my own head, and I started to to really start like like. I wasn't angry with people. I just was like, I was getting really fed up with it. Like how clicky it was and how like, and yeah, I felt left out or like, because I also, I'm not comfortable inviting myself, you know, like, Hey guys, can I come with you? Everybody <laughs> oh, would say Sean yes. And, and yeah, but I mean, the thing is like, everybody is down because the thing is they're not, they're not aware that every time that they make plans, it's, it's, in their office, you know what I'm saying? With the people they're with all the time. Um, and then of course, because like you're not there, like they're not really thinking of you. Like obviously you get really tight with people and there's certain people you'll go out with, right? But when it came to like, we're doing this tonight, I'm like, who decided that and when? And they're like, oh yeah, like earlier at lunch. You mean also because you ate lunch with your coworkers also? Like you see what I'm saying? And so I, it, was, it was really tough at times for me to be in such a small department of two um, and see all these people have so much social life so to me solely because they just had a whole bunch of coworkers you know what i mean um, and then and then i started going down the slippery slope of like i'm better than this you know kind of like like you were saying how like 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 you started meeting people and like, you know, you'd have a crew party, you'd buy them a beer, they'd give you this, they'd, they'd sneak you some food, whatever. Like I would say like you gave in to the ship life. And I, and for me, I was like, I was trying to like, I wasn't trying to give in, you know, I was trying to keep it separate. I wasn't, I didn't want to go all in. I didn't want to give up myself. It's, I'm obviously going over the top with how I'm explaining sure. this. But but you see what I mean? Like yeah, yeah like like I could have absolutely been like ship life forever and like yeah. just been that guy, but I just I didn't I didn't want to be that guy. But you know sure. what it is, man? If if my first job had been like in the youth staff because that's where a lot of girls work too. Uh-huh. And man, who knows? I probably would have I probably would have loved ship life, you know. Or yeah. I would have been in a lot more drama. If you're in a department with a lot I'm more people, you know what I'm saying? I'm positive you'd be in way more drama. <laughs> yeah. You know, but th th that's something I, I do tell people when they ask me stuff about, about ship life. I say like, hey, man, like sometimes making friends is pretty hard depending on your um, job. So if you, so think about your role. Like if you want, if you want to make friends, the easiest way to do it is to get a job in a big department with lots of people you work with. Cause that's, that makes tends a to be, lot of sense. That tends to be what happens. And like, like I said, if I, if I went back to ships, well, I mean, that's neither here nor there because like, if I went back to ships now, I already know what I know. So it wouldn't be even that be that big a deal. But like, if I did it again and somebody had told me the advice, they would have been like, Hey man, are you sure you want to do broadcasting? Cause you're alone a lot. Um, and, and there's, you know, maybe there's other places that you that you'd you'd fit in better with your personality. You know, because that's the thing too, man. Because some of my partners were these introvert tech people, 
And, I, and I'm not even that guy. I just knew how to edit video. Like, I, I just wanted to get on the ships, you know? And so, like, like I was more of a, a front-facing kind of thing anyway, personality-wise. And then my partners would be, like, really soft-spoken and, like, like only want to be on their computer and, and this kind of stuff. You know, like, like, I struggled with some of my partners to an extent kind of because like especially after my first contract I had figured it out and then like all my partners on my second and third contract were new hires so like so I was sitting there like oh I'm like this is this will be great because I'm going to train them to do it exactly how I do it um it's going to be real good they're going to be really driven like I was to like learn fast and, and be good at the job you know what I learned though people aren't really like that uh some of the people some of the new hires that would come on would just do nothing. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. And I and I was like, uh, "Dude, um, what's what are you doing here?" You know, um, <laughs> because I was the opposite. Like, I saw that my my first partner knew more than I did, and so I felt inadequate, and I felt it was my obligation to get to his level. You know what I mean? Because I didn't want him to not like me or resent me when it came to our job together. Um, but when it came to the other side where people would work with me and I had the experience, I didn't get that same kind of reciprocation. Um, you know, and, and there were times where like one of our projects was to like go out or no, like, like on my, my first ship, one of, one of the videos we had to make was like an interview with the captain, you know, and, and, uh, so I told my broadcast partner, call the captain, set up the time. He's like, I'm not calling the captain. I was like, why not? He's like, I don't want to talk to him. I was like, you're scared to talk to the captain. What's he going to do? Yell at you for calling him? No, because, because and this, this is how I took it. And, and this honestly could be because I'm American. You know, I come from a, maybe a different kind of background like that, where maybe speaking with authority is, is handled differently. Um, but I was like, dude, I don't care what anybody's rank is. I don't care what anybody's job is. We're all working. So he's going to answer the phone and you're going to say, because it's my job, when can we interview? And he's going to say this time because he's also working. Like he's, you know, he's not going to be like, why would you ever call me? I don't talk to underlings like broadcast texts. That's not how it works, you know, or people like, like we'd be in the elevator with the hotel director and people would be sweating. They'd be sweating. And I'm like, it's just a guy. He's at work. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, but then again, like, I, I kind of force this equality among everyone on the ship. Uh, you know, I know that you, you, you talk about, like, the, the corporate hierarchy and that kind of structure, which is there. You know, there's, there's a hierarchy on, on paper of everybody's boss and their boss and their boss. But when it comes to speaking with people, like, man, I didn't call the hotel director sir. You know, I mean, I didn't say what's up, bro, but like, like I, I didn't like salute. Like I was like, dude, we're at work. You know, I don't, this isn't, you know, I, I mean, I didn't like throw shade or like, you know, w one of my safety duties was in the bridge with the hotel director and the cruise director and the captain and staff captain all in the same room. So if I was drinking late the night before, before the drill, that was pretty rough to to be up there and be like, oh my god, like uh -huh. I am so tired right now. You know yeah. that that was kind of intimidating, um, right. but like I wasn't afraid of these people, right? Um, 
Well, I've had, I've had, um, I I talked about this on another podcast, but you know, I, I had an experience with one of the, the captains and he was the coolest captain I've ever met. And also one of the youngest in the fleet on celebrity, but this guy was so cool. And I, I had a little bit of that complex where I was, I used to look at the captain, staff captain, hotel director and all that. And yet a bit of this, like, Ooh, um, uh, don't talk to them or whatever. Um, and I've seen some hotel directors or staff captains and, you know, people with like many stripes, um, walk around with this authority, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what gives it off. Like they, they give this demeanor, like, don't talk to me cause you're not worth it. Um, what also doesn't help is when you're on the ship, sometimes they, uh, they kind of segregate, uh, privileges based on stripes. Yeah. For, you know, so it's almost like, well, if you don't have three stripes, then you can't eat here or you can't mm-hmm. eat this stuff, you know, um, from, from this time to this time, whatever. Anyway. Uh, but after getting to know that captain, uh, it really just, he, again, like you, like you mentioned, he was just the guy and he was really cool. Talked to us about how much he loves Led Zeppelin and eighties hair rock and uh it was it was it was such a great time when when we would just chat with him about whatever um dude we had a super bowl party in his cabin (laughs) (laughs) it was freaking awesome um uh he invited i mean he mainly invited like entertainment people because i guess he thought that they were all cool whatever regardless um he was just he was just a guy just like everybody else just made way more money had a lot more privileges so yeah, that kind of made me was, feel different yeah that i i mean so like being on the entertainment side like i mean i guess everybody has stripes but like i mean we weren't wearing the the white uh uniforms and stuff right. uh-huh so like i never even like accepted that stripes were a thing you know like like mm-hmm. I, I would walk i would see like different ranked people like walk around and like there was definitely people who would who'd walk around like and look at you you know like like don't even look at me in i-95 kind of thing yeah um and i always thought that was crazy because like like there would be cadets uh like new new hired cadets like first level on on that side of the of the marine operation side that would uh-huh. be and they'd be in crew bar with us, just drinking, having a good time. And I'm like, these guys are cool. Why are some of these guys so not? And yeah. part of that, like, I'm wondering now if, like, if it's kind of like maybe like in a fraternity where, like, because the people above you treated you this way, when uh, you get to their level, that's how you treat the people below you. And it's like a cycle when all you have to do is just be a captain who isn't like that. Right. And then... And then it's not tense on the elevator. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. I have a feeling that 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 is partially where it comes from. And then uh, it's almost like they're they're acting like they think how they're supposed to. Right. And you're like, no, you can just be a regular person, and it's all good. Well, part of me also feels like, kind of like when you were talking earlier about how when you did all that extra work because you were trying to impress and i feel like there are people who are in leadership type positions and all they know about leadership is what they've seen or Mm -hmm. 
you know, maybe they've seen a bad leader or they see things on television or whatever, where it's like a leader is somebody who commands respect. And for some reason, they think that the way to command respect is by belittling other people. So yeah. I, 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 you have to respect me because I'm up here, not because I've earned it. Uh, so I feel like that's that could also be where it's coming from, where... You know, maybe they're trying to impress their superiors by being superior, and also yeah. that's just the way they think things are supposed to be run. You know, and that's the thing too, because it's also it's cultural too, right? Because like, like you and I are American, and 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 I've and even how how you and I likely handle authority is a lot more conversational, whereas people from Greece or um, the Philippines, you know, or or wherever. They just might have a different a background um, and social expectation for for that kind of stuff uh, because like ultimately like when you actually are speaking with people everyone's pretty pretty cool um, it's just like how maybe the expectation of from where they they were raised like how how they're supposed to conduct themselves is different than than me um, no that's very how true how did you yeah. How did you find, like, even within the entertainment department, how did you find uh, the different groups therein? So, like, the youth staff or the crew staff or particularly the production cast? Because, like, like, I've seen some of your videos where you say, like, why people hate musicians. <laughs> we, 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 we barely work and, and all these other things. But like, but, like, how did you as a musician view, like, the production cast? Because, like, for me, man, like, some of these people they were treated like gods and goddesses oh, yeah and the stuff and the privileges they had and then they would still complain and oh, i'm yeah. just like you have no idea and yeah. it would sometimes it would it would drive me up a wall yeah how did um, you how did you find that kind of experience uh, honestly for the most part that it, that was my perception that they were all really okay and that they complained yeah. about everything um what's exciting is uh i've i got a friend who who was in the production cast and i'm gonna get her on the podcast pretty soon um to to get some of these things answered but yeah um that that is the the initial um uh view right the the lens that i always had um when I looked at them, it was, all right, you know, production cast, like you're one of them. I know that a, you're going to be a diva. You're going to complain about something. You walk around like your nose is up in the air. Like you're like, like, like your shit doesn't stink. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that is the vibe that I always got. Now, also generally speaking, um, there was maybe one or two that were pretty cool, meaning they didn't carry that vibe with them. Every yeah. cast that I've ever known, 90% of them, felt that way in one way or another and then there was that one who was just way cooler than the rest Mm -hmm. and maybe it's because they realize that their crew acts like that so they try to separate themselves or maybe that's just generally who they are um so as far as the production cast yeah dancers the singers they all just tended to give me that vibe but Mm -hmm. maybe it's it could just be you know, maybe where they're from, they tend to be American or uh, from the UK or something like that. So being yeah. on a ship, you know, maybe knowing how much money they're making 
could make a difference. <laughs> yeah, or having like a lot of the singers in, in our production, like the the main singers in in our production casts had their own officer cabins with the the big bed and the big window, um, and I guess officer status. I guess. Uh, and then, yeah, it depends on, on, the, then, on the cruise uh, line. Um, and then we'd have like the singer dancers who would get their own cabin, but it was like a single bed. Yeah. On deck three, and then you'd have the dancers who who had to um who had to to room together. See, I bet you those cool those few cool people that you talked to, they were probably dancers. They probably weren't the singers. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. M- maybe they were, but you know what I mean. I don't know because like because I don't know how you feel about this. Like where yeah, like you have to, and I don't necessarily want to compare singing voice as an instrument the same way as like drums as an instrument sure sometimes i feel that some good singers are born with good voice and they don't have to work as hard you know um i don't know i'm just speaking but um so like i would see some of these singers who were just so entitled and i'm like you don't even do anything dude like you you rehearse and do three shows a, a cruise and you sing like like, did you even have to, like, did you have to learn how to sing or did you just start singing and you just honed your ability to, you know, to sing? Um, you know, whereas, like, I don't I don't want to throw too much shade because cause I don't know how people are, her rate, you know, because, like, sure. but, like I mean, even even because, like, like I've, I've seen you speak about how, like, yeah, musicians may not work 10 hours a week. Sometimes they get a day off. Um, but you that is your reward for the amount of work you put in before you got the job on the cruise ship you know what i'm saying like like there's certain positions on the ship that aren't that you don't need so much pre-experience in order to do it on the ship in a professional successful way so that's why there's different levels of um of like entitlement i guess um but well, that, that just, in particular, that's hard to say because I get where you're coming from that, you know, there are some people who are just naturally gifted at singing, you know, like a, when you're 10 years old, you find out uh, you're just good, right? And then you've just naturally picked up that ear. Um, a good example of that is uh, my previous duo partner. She was also the singer in, in, the, uh, in the jazz band. Um, not to discredit any of her talents, but she didn't go to uh, music school like mm-hmm. myself and my, my friends did. And um, the way that she got on cruise ships is buddy of mine, Isaac. He, he saw her potential and he worked with her and trained her to get to a point where she could. Um, she was ready work. for that level. Exactly. But he already knew that she had the, you know, the chops to do it. So. Yeah. In that sense, right, it doesn't really uh, fall in line with the whole, right, um, oh, went to school for this X amount of time and trained and this, this, and this. She still did do some work beforehand, you know, trying to uh, make sure she was at the appropriate level to get accepted. But anyway, uh, my point is, um, yeah, I can I can absolutely see in some cases where somebody would be in production band um, and they're part of the they're part of the show and they happen to get there because they're just naturally gifted and maybe they feel like they're entitled. Could happen, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it, it's also like 
you know, it's an audition process and, and like you have to be selected and, and you have to win the audition, you know what I'm saying? And so like, like I can understand how, how I mean, I, I had to win to get, you know, among the other broadcast, the, among the other resumes that applied to be broadcast, I had to win to get the job, you know? But like, I don't know, that's like auditioning and stuff, that's gotta be such a crazy experience. And then like, you know, and, Cause and I don't know I don't know how 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 you relate to it too because like having that like you also get validation because you get applause and you know what I'm saying so like I can see how it can go to people's heads um, you know what I mean because uh, it, another thing about it is that it becomes very personal to you mm-hmm. that when when you spend so much time honing your craft you know, three, four, five, six, seven, almost eight hours a day sometimes just practicing whether it's mental, physical, right? Some For some people, spiritual, whatever. Um, when you spend so much time on a craft, it's hard not to look at what you're giving to the world personal. And so, you know, you mentioned doing an audition, being uh, not being accepted for when you do an audition can be very personal to some musicians because it's mm-hmm. like, uh, although yes, you have to look at it objectively. It's like, I'm giving you my heart and my soul. I've been working on this my entire life. And then to not be accepted, um, it, it can be very crushing. And so, um, also going back to what you were saying in terms of it going to the head, because it's, you know, it's so close to their heart. It goes up there. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I can I can see where that comes from. Uh, but going also going back to what you originally asking me about, yes, um, uh, they uh, they they too they do tend to be very entitled. Um, some of the other um, uh, departments within the department, like the youth staff or the AV techs, um, I've never really found them to. Uh, I've never really found a specific. Um, way about them yeah How, however some people I, I found fnb staff to be very closed off uh very generally speaking um do you think well because i also noticed that like like there's lots of different ethnicities on the ship but they're also tended to be in specific departments they're 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 hap- they're coincidentally happen to be like a majority of a certain um, nationality in kind of a different department, you know what I mean? Yeah. So do you think that that was part of it, maybe? I think so. Um, uh, it, well, I you mean, know, I actually, don't know. I wanted to say, that was something that I, I didn't mention before about the like meeting people in crew bar. I'd walk in sometimes and people would be in a huddle with their back to me, so I have to go meet people. But also, pe- more people on the ship speak not English than English, right? So not only was I interrupting clicks, I was a lot of times interrupting clicks speaking in a different language with English, right? And not that people hated me or stuff like this, and you know, cause like, like occasionally I'd be like, guys, like we're supposed to be speaking English, right? But the other side was like, it's probably really exhausting for somebody to go 10 hours a day speaking their second or third language. Yes. And then when they're in crew bar and they're having a drink and they're trying to unwind, they're going to go to their their native tongue because that is effortless. 
So, but, but that's what I'm saying. So then I would like, cause like my, my first broadcast partner was from Brazil. So he would speak Portuguese and then I'd, I'd be with him. And he, so me, he and I hung out a lot, but then we'd go to crew bar and he, he'd eventually meet some other people from either Portugal or Brazil. And, and, and then they would, they would immediately click because of the language. I'm jealous of that too. So then, so then they would start speaking Portuguese and then like, like this one time they would speak Portuguese together and then he would literally just translate to keep me in the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then, and that's when I was like, I don't need to be here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. I, I did feel left out. I, I really did. Like there were times where I just felt like secluded, like as a, as a, as an American, you know, as, as a, I don't know. It was, sometimes it was tough, you know? Yeah. Well, this is why, you know, even when you go in training, they, they repeat it to you, like English spoken on the ship, if, especially if you're in guest areas, but to try to keep everybody included, English, 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 um, because it is easy to seclude other people and just make them feel like outsiders, um, when you're speaking your your native language now uh, like you were mentioning after you're working for 10 hours speak you know trying to speak english um and or speaking the best english that you can to communicate with the guests and now you're tired of you know your brain functioning that way and now you want to go back to speaking your native tongue like it's just it's easier uh like my wife she this this happens to her all the time like she speaks english with me but when she's frustrated or something like that immediately it just jumps back to spanish because it's faster for her to to talk that way and even on land you know when she meets up with some of her friends they're speaking spanish and when i'm just sitting there in the car or drinking coffee with them or something like that my brain just turns off not to say yeah, you know, like uh, I can understand a little bit of it, but my brain doesn't function in a way yet because, you know, I'm not immersed in that culture enough to immediately grasp what what they're saying and understand. So, again, going back to the ships, like it happened all the time with different languages being spoken so much. You, know, you got South, South African uh, Afrikaans, you got Greek, you got Spanish, you got Portuguese, um, you got uh russian and different versions of russian based on you know where they're from so all of these different languages on the ship and so when you're trying to hang out with people in crew bar and then they start speaking different languages it just it it that just adds to the intimidation to want to reach out to people and create longer lasting relationships if they're not willing to include you in the conversation in a language that you can understand so yeah, that's that's just how I felt about it. But um yeah, um as as we as we wrap this up, um I I know that we were talking earlier about the the living situation and the stressors and everything and um I guess I want to kind of go back to the the stress of ship life and how you how you dealt with it. Um, cause I know that you mentioned that you, you know, you try to make friends and you, you, you know, you, you, you try to get your private time. Um, sometimes you couldn't 
and you did what you could. But my goal here is to try to prepare other people, you know, when they, because I, I know the majority of my audience is, uh, they're looking to work on cruise ships. So just really preparing them for, for what's to come. So how else did you prepare yourself or uh, deal with that? Yeah, and I like that question too because like a lot of the videos I made on, on my channel had a very positive spin to them because I, I do promote the, the experience. I, it's like um, if you want to do it, do it. Um, there's no reason not to. But I do sometimes turn like... My, my videos are already long enough, right? So I don't want to be like, all right, and here's all the bad stuff about this, you know? Right. Um, so, but there are definitely struggles. And and um, so, like, for me, you know, honestly, dude, like, <laughs> like, what did I personally do when I would feel that, like, I wasn't making a lot of friends? Yeah, when I you were down trying, or I, when it was tough I for you. Well, well, I was going to say, like, my focus was on trying to hit on girls and kind of do that like okay well i'll have if i have a this was saying like if if you have a girl it's like at summer camp yeah if you have a girlfriend you're set for the whole summer that's true you know what i'm saying like there's always somebody there like you like you don't need to impress anybody else you already got somebody you know what i'm saying so like uh like i dated a girl for a while on the first contract i didn't date anybody on the second contract and i dated a girl for a while on the third contract um like a lot of stuff i would do like like if somebody was like looking in on me, they might not see me talking to a lot of people in crew bar. Um, but I was, I was communicating with women usually, um, trying to at least, but, uh, um, do, I don't know. Like it was, it was something like one thing that I didn't go through was, um, homesickness until a certain point. Right. So like, like, I'm not, like, I'm tight with my family, but, like, like we're not, like, I'm not, like, over there every day. I don't live next door. Like, like there are some people on the ship who, like, they still live at home and stuff. And, like, like this one girl I knew from Ukraine or wherever she was from, like, like she told me that her mom offered to pay her cash more than the cruise line was going to pay her to stay wow. and not go work on the cruise ship. That's how tight they were. I applaud her for going anyway and getting that experience of traveling sure. um, and distancing from her mom that way. Um, but like, it's like culturally I'm not super, I don't have to be super tight or talk to my parents every single day of my life, you know? Yeah. So going on the cruise ship was not difficult for me at all. Um, however, halfway through my first contract, um, my mom called the cruise line and told me that my grandmother had passed away. Oh. Um, and I wasn't particularly close with my grandmother. But it was that moment that I actually realized how away I was. That's I realized how far and how permanent I'm in the middle of the ocean. And I'm not going anywhere. And that had a big effect on me in that moment. Um, it, it was real ship life was real at that point, yeah. you know, and I, I took me a day or two to kind of, kind of be like, all right, this is fine. You know what I'm saying? Um, but like some of the stuff I would do, like in the beginning, you know, like 
in my very first contract, like I was working a lot more hours because I didn't know what I was doing. So I didn't have a whole lot of free time. But like I was doing like Rosetta Stone. They did free Rosetta Stone. I was trying to learn Spanish because I was trying to meet people. There was one time. All right. So so this is what happened. I was like, I'm going to learn Rosetta Stone. I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to hit on these Spanish girls in Spanish, and it's going to be great. There you go. So I start learning Spanish, and then for like two or three months, and then I go to crew bar, and I start trying to like speak Spanish to these these girls. And the first thing this girl says is, uh, we don't we don't use that phrase. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So I never did Rosetta Stone again. Because uh-huh. I, well, well, that was, the, you know. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. I thought they were going to be like, Oh, this is so cute. Like this American idiot trying to speak Spanish to us. How sweet. No, it was like, we don't, what are you doing? Kind of thing. Went down in flames. (laughs) Yeah. Oh dude, it was crash and burn. Like not at all what I thought would happen. Um, On my second ship, I tried to start a crew band. Oh, I tried really hard to start a crew band. Um, I bought... So, like, there was already a drum set for crew down in Crew Bar. And, like, a lot of times they would have, like, uh, some of, the, some of the, the actual bands around the ship would come and play sometimes. Usually there's a DJ, but sometimes they'd have live music. And I was like, I'm going to put a band together. And we're going to play, like, 90s alternative American rock. That, that was my plan. And I, I went online and I ordered a bass guitar and two electric guitars Whoa. and an amp. I bought them. Wow. And I went off in port to to like Guitar Center in Boston, and I brought them on the ship. And I was like, I have all the instruments. There's 1,300 crew members. There's gotta be two people who could play guitar, right? Wow. No. So I put up flyers, and like no one was interested. No one was talking to me. Um, actually, one dude, who, one guy who worked in the shops, he and I were pretty tight. He, the reason I even was gonna do this was because he was like really dirty at guitar. And then I bought all these instruments, and we were going to do it. And then he got he got sent to another ship, like halfway through his contract, Why? of course. So I was like, "That's fine, I'll keep it going." And I couldn't get anyone to communicate with me about joining this band. And I kind of gave up after about a month or two. So then I put up flyers, said, "I'm selling two guitars and a bass," and I sold those instruments in two days. <laughs> so there are people who play instruments. They just didn't want to play and with then, you. Dude, no, oh, here, listen to this. So here's the, here's the kicker. This is the icing on the cake. It was like my last cruise on the second contract. And I'm in Crew Bar, and I hear like a Blink-182 song. And then I hear like, I don't know, a Weezer song. And I'm like, these are a lot of the songs that I was going to play in the band I wanted to start. So I stand up, and I walk around the corner, and there's a band playing, and they're playing the instruments that I bought. Oh my gosh. So they started their own band without me. And that that straight up, you know, I don't know if it was intentional or what, <laughs> but I was just like, they were playing on the guitars that I bought, and then they were playing like some of the songs that I had put on my flyer. And I was just, I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, there were these moments where I just felt so secluded i felt like i'm trying so hard to make friends and like be open and this and then like these crazy little things would happen like that you know and then that and that's so ultimately by the third contract excuse me by the third contract 
I was just jaded. <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to meet people like eh, they suck. They they're going to, you know, you know, which is not that's not where you want to be. And and I was unfairly doing that. And it ultimately led to my demise and leaving cruise ships, among some other reasons. Um, but, yeah, some of those stressors are definitely real. Um, and, it's, and and when you're when you're like on lockdown in the middle of the ocean, like I started to get into my own head, you know, I started being like, ah, the production cast, I don't even, I don't want to be friends with them. Wow. Oh, the musicians, they complain about working four days a week. Wow. <laughs> like you staff, ah, they smell like children. Wow. Uh-huh. You like, you know what I'm saying? So like, and then, and then I was just in this, in a, uh, I'd be in these bad places sometimes, um, you know, but I was exercising more, you know, I, so, I was trying to, to, to do the most I could. Like my first couple of contracts, like I had free time and, and that's the thing too. Like, so because I was making my own schedule as a broadcast tech, I would have like some work to do in the mornings maybe, and then work to do at night. But I had like that middle of the day, like there's not much going on. So I was like, okay, well I'd go to crew bar, I'd get coffee, I'd watch some TV. Um, I would occasionally rearrange the TV and movie schedule to fit when I wanted to watch a movie. And so I would like, I'd, I'd make it, uh, it's going to start at 1130 because that's when I'm going to go downstairs and watch it, you know? And then, um, that's the perks of my job. Right. Yeah. And then, um, I'd go to the gym, you know, at like two o'clock or three o'clock, you know, when it wasn't busy. And I was like, so I was doing stuff for myself, but I am not a loner. And on the cruise ships, I felt like, I was, and that ultimately wasn't great. And, and and then I was like, I don't have to be alone. I can go up to any of these people, and they will gladly accept me when I go up to them. But then, but I would resent people because why do I have to do all the work? Yeah, I'm cool too. Yeah. You should come to me. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was. I know I sound bitter. And I, I would get bitter sometimes or like, and then it, it would all accumulate to like, I'd be in crew bar and I'd be like, I come here every day and everyone's just only talking to their coworkers about work. Mm-hmm. And then I would just leave. <laughs> I'd just be like, I just, I couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. You know, it just was like, it was, it was tough. It was tough. But you know, but when it was good, it was good, yeah. you know, cause there were t- plenty of plenty of great moments and and that's what i'm saying nothing happened that was so bad that i would ever tell somebody not to do it right you know what i'm saying um and and ultimately all you and i can do is like you were saying we're trying to prepare you better than we were prepared so that your experience is not only good it's better than mine was it's the best you know what i'm saying yeah um there's but that's the thing too. There's not a whole lot to do if you're trying to, you know, if you're if you're struggling in the beginning, you're not meeting a lot of people. You know, you could kick it in your room and watch movies and stuff. But like for me, like I would, I was like, nah, like I can't, I can't allow my my fear of meeting new people or you know something like that, like. Especially that first contract, man. I was going to Kubar every night. Yeah, I was like, I have, but and I think that's what happened. Like, I would go to Kubar every night, and it was successful. I met a lot of people. I had a lot of fun. But then by that second contract, I, I knew that's what I had to do. But I was like, I was over it. I was like, I don't want to keep doing this every contract. 
It's a lot of work. Because nobody's doing it for me. Yeah. You know, like, why won't somebody just come up and meet me? And people did, you know, yeah. but, you know, and then by that third contract, you know, you're jaded and you're just like, Psh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know for you because, and I don't know because all my contracts were six months. So, you know, six months is a, is a, is a good long time. Yeah, it is. So I know that yours were different amounts of time. I don't know if, if yours were ever long enough to where you, you went from new to, yeah, awesome to, uh, I'm over it. You know what I'm for saying? For me, anything if, longer than it, four months. I feel like the four month mark long. is just like, that's when it's like, okay, can I, uh, I want to go home now. <laughs> yeah, I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. But hey, yeah. um, we're going to switch gears real quick because I almost forgot. But you recently went on a cruise. And, I did. And I want to know what it's like being on <clears throat> a cruise as a passenger. And when, you know, because you, you were crew, right? And what's it like going back? And now you see things differently, you know? And be, you know, <laughs> yes. Got to represent the ship life. Yes, that's right. right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, dude. Um, I went on a carnival cruise, actually. Um, and, like, I definitely wanted to experience it. Like, like I wanted to know what it would be like. You're like, I spent two years taking care of passengers. I wanted to know what it felt like to be taken care of. And, um so like like part of me was afraid that I might set the bar too high. You know, I might be like like oh man, I can't believe they did that. Like, you know, it's, and it was a different company too. So like I was trying to compare Carnival with Norwegian. Um so I I was afraid I might have I was afraid I was going to go in with too high expectations. So what I tried to do was go in with no expectations. Um and it was absolutely awesome. It was such a good vacation. Like I, there was really nothing I can even complain about it, you know. Um, ship was cool. It was good. People were great. So here, here's what happened, though. It was funny because we, uh, we were supposed to go to Bermuda, but it was during hurricane season. So they switched our itinerary at the last minute to go to the Bahamas. And there were a lot of people not happy about it. But I'm over here like, but it's hurricane season. And it says it right on the website. You know, it's your fault, right? So... So what happened was, um, but I was fine, like I said, because, and actually in that situation, I, I went more for the ship, not for the destinations. I've already been to all these places, you know, I don't really care. So, um, so I didn't care where we went. And, um, and one thing I noticed was that when I was eating dinner, I didn't see crew eating dinner in the, in the passenger buffet. Now, maybe they, they're allowed to eat at like 8 p.m., and I was always eating at like 7 or 6.30. But I think in the whole cruise, I saw one guy from like the gift shop eating up there like briefly. So, so, so then I was like, either A, they don't allow their crew members to eat up here, or then I was like, actually, what they probably did, they probably said, dude, all these passengers are super pissed because <laughs> we had to change our itinerary. Yeah. Don't eat up there. Because they're just going to hate you even more. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, that, are we talking about the, something... the main dining room or are we talking about uh, the I'm talking about the, the, the buffet. buffet. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so, or maybe they were up there and they were just wearing hangout clothes. But uh, that would be weird. That would be weird, yeah. You're supposed to be wearing a name tag. But yeah. no, but it was great, man. Like the ship was awesome. Like 
I don't know. Carnival's Carnival's got some some cool stuff going on, man. I've been meaning uh, to take a that, cruise myself, and I, I I know you invited me to go one time, and you know I wish that we we could have gone, but uh, it's it sounded well, more and more like a good idea, dude. And that's the thing, honestly. Like it was so good. Like I'm pretty sure my next vacation will be a cruise, and this is something that I I think I'm going to keep doing. Um, it's it is it's still a great way to travel. It's a good vacation, and and if you're on the right ship then you're fine. But you know what? As Even as a passenger, it's the same thing as going on a ship uh, as a new crew member. You need to have the right mindset. You need to have the right expectations. You need to be open and uh, okay with change, okay with something new. Like, just, just go, like, literally go with the flow, right? Because... Nothing, but that's the thing with life too, right? Like nothing is ever going to be exactly how you think it's going to be. And so like the more, the more like the more specific little structured little things you put in place, they're all just going to get knocked down because like, it's not going to happen that way. Um, and so that was the mindset I had when I went to work on cruise ships, open, open, and just whatever happens is going to happen. Um, but also as on the crew or on as a passenger, I I tried to that as well, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, the 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 ports got changed, and like, I'm sure some other things happened that weren't great. But I don't, I couldn't even tell you what they were because it was still a great experience, and I wasn't seeking out the things that that bothered me. You know, I could tell you that there were, but I wasn't looking for those things. I was looking for the next thing that was going to be fun, the next thing to to have a good time. Uh, one thing I wanted to compare it was to compare the different vibes of the cruise lines. Now, obviously, I've never been a passenger for Norwegian. I've also never worked for Carnival. But um, I did notice a, a different, like, uh, uh, like, a goal of what they're trying to accomplish on the cruise for the guest experience. You know, I definitely felt that Carnival was more like, let's party a little bit more, let's stay a little later, let's drink a little bit more, you know, kind of thing. Um, not, not over the top, because there were plenty of stuff to do if you didn't want to do that stuff. There was plenty of things to do. But Norwegian, it never felt like um, it was as party like that. They tried. You know, they, while I was working there, they were going through, like, they were trying to do different marketing change up. Like, they're, all the, everything was changing. They're trying to get, because I think all the companies are trying to get younger cruisers, younger passengers to, and, and, and kind of hit, you know, you and me and people even younger than us to, to start cruising. I think they're doing a good job, um, but I had I had such a great time. So I absolutely think uh, you and your wife should definitely do it. Yeah, well, I was thinking maybe you guys to. would do it for your honeymoon just because <laughs> it'd be funny. Hey, we just might. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude. Ah, uh, I I know we can talk for you know oh, yeah, several we can. more hours. You know me, man. I can yeah. talk. I can talk for hours by myself. <laughs> so if I got someone to talk to, it'll never stop. <laughs> But um, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. Um, if we've got more that we want to uh, that we want to talk about, I'm sure we can we can we can bring something else up on another podcast. But I want to thank Absolutely, you, man. Um, a million for for you spending your time here. And like I said, it's always it's always enjoyable when 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 we're talking about this stuff because we I feel like we're we're right there. We're oh, yeah. we're on the same level. So, yeah. um, for, for all of you guys out there, um, definitely check out Sean's channel. It's uh, coffee with Sean. He's got a lot of informational content. Um, and it's different from my content in terms of, uh, just 
how he's delivering it. It's very just straight and to the point, and I think you guys are going to find it very informational. Again, Sean, thank you. Um, looking forward to having you on the show again. And, Absolutely, um, man. Yeah, I, I guess we'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.